Hey everyone, welcome to the Communication Coach Podcast, where I'm going to help you to create successful change through powerful and honest conversations. I am your host, Nikki Perfect. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 26 of the Communication Coach and I hope you're well and having a great day whatever you're doing. Here in the UK it's Father's Day where we celebrate having our dads and our fathers in our lives and I know for some of you it will have been perhaps a different day from the one I had. Perhaps your dad isn't here for whatever reason, perhaps they've passed on or they're just not in your life. I'm lucky enough to have my dad in my life and so I had a lovely family day today and a nice lunch out and this week's been busy still the new business is coming along it's quite chaotic it's quite I'm learning a lot every day is still a school day and as the business progresses and I talk about negotiation and communication a lot then I see that still even in this new world that I'm entering it's such an important aspect of our life is communicating with people and being in the moment with people And this week I was a guest speaker at the British Association of Women in Policing Awards where they have a whole day of lunch and they recognise females, particularly female women in policing, female women in policing, well that's fairly obvious isn't it? So they recognise women in policing who have done a variety of amazing achievements from bravery to leadership to mentoring to volunteering, all dedicating and giving their time to a job that they love in a variety of roles. And it was a real privilege to be there. This is the third one I've attended. They seem to get better every year. And it's just, you know, it's just an honour to sit and listen to some some ordinary people doing extraordinary things and listening to the amazing achievements. And the speech I gave there was about the three most important lessons I have learnt from my life as a hostage and crisis negotiator and how they translate into everyday policing, into leadership, into parenting, into being part of a team. And I'm just going to share some snippets of that talk with you today around what those three lessons, and they are personal to me, but having spoken to many people in crisis, in a variety of crisis, and having been lucky enough to travel around the world and teach, you know, hundreds, uh, probably over a 1, thousand, fifteen hundred students now in communication and still having that coaching business and now personal training. You see the traits over and over again. And I see it in my parenting role. I see it in when I'm personal training people. I see it standing on the garage forecourts, filling somebody's car up with petrol or where they come in or talking to them on the phone or working with the builders and the plumbers. It's all the same communication. And then we also have the fact that everybody has a story. You know, you, it doesn't matter what role you perform or the people that you meet. I went to a party last night and spoke to two completely different people who I've never met before. And we all have a story. I have my story. I have my values and beliefs. And you have yours and your values and beliefs. But let's focus on the three life lessons that really I've learned over those years of negotiation. And the first one is that we are pretty selfish (laughs) as human beings. If you've listened to some of my podcasts before, you'll have heard me talk about this. But we generally come at life from a what's in it for me attitude. And what I mean by that is we look at life, especially big decisions around how is this going to affect me? Is it worth my time? Is it worth my money? And then the biggie for me is 
what will other people think of me? And I'll throw another one in there also, which is about, do I have control over this? Because I really do find that when people don't have control, and I've seen this especially with people in crisis, and when I talk about people in crisis, you know, I'm talking about people that have reached the end of their tether, or they are families who have loved ones who have been kidnapped, or their loved ones are being involved in a big incident that they have no control over but also we have crises in our own lives every day and that can be as simple as losing a set of keys from having a car crash from losing a loved one or going through a divorce or getting a phone call where you're frustrated or even if you're trying to do some work on the computer and you can't save it or you forget to save it and the document crashes and you lose all of your work and we have little mini meltdowns, little mini crises, whereby our emotional brain kicks in and is a lot stronger than our logical brain. And I have learnt that if we can recognise that and be more self-aware, then it really helps us to communicate and behave in a different way with other people. Now, I'm not saying this is easy. I say this in probably the majority of my podcast, but this isn't easy. Um, I've been doing this for 11, 12 years now, and although my self-awareness is much higher... I still have those emotional kick-ins where my emotional brain takes over from my logical thinking and I say and I do things that I wouldn't normally do and I think things. Now, I'm much better now at stopping the words from coming out of my mouth and just thinking and checking in. And I have to say, you know, opening this new business, there have been a lot of times over the last six weeks where that emotional brain has kicked in in quite a strong way and quite rightly, my partner has said to me, hey, Nick, hang on, just check in here and... Yeah, I don't like it at the time. Of course, I don't like it at the time. But then I'm able to just pull myself back in, rein myself back in and go, okay, what is triggering this and why is this triggering it? And it will it will be reflective in my values and beliefs somewhere along the lines of, you know, I believe that I'm not good enough to run a business or I can't do maths. And I've said that before, actually. I have to say that I now have a system in place around my accounting on a day-to-day basis and I can get what was taking me an, an hour and 15 to an hour and a half the job is now done in five to ten minutes. So as you learn and as your brain is getting used to new systems and practices, then it works a lot better for you. So just remember that you are emotionally driven and you come at things from an aspect of what's in it for me. Is it worth my time, my money? What will other people think about? And do I have control? And a lot of it is around control. And and in my policing world, I saw this a lot because you take away people's freedom. And that is taking away all of their control. When you place somebody under arrest and you take away their liberty for a period of time to investigate what has happened, there is no control over that. And often you will get the emotional brain kicking in, in fact, most of the time because people go into panic mode or either because they've been caught out or they genuinely haven't done what you're accusing them of doing or arresting them for doing so you can investigate it and they go into emotional brain which will kick in the fight or flight or freeze syndrome. Some people will be very cooperative, you know, and tell you they haven't done anything and let you handcuff them and take them to the police station. Other people will put up the fight because you're taking away their liberty. And that is such a powerful thing. And certainly in my my policing career, I knew that as soon as you lay hands on, which means you go to touch somebody to arrest them, that is when you're in that dangerous zone, a really dangerous zone. And when you're talking to people in crisis, and this is why we always say, or I will always advocate, don't grab people. If you grab people, that's a dangerous time where they're going to fight, flight or freeze. Think about that. Are you going to start having a fight? Are you going to push somebody over the edge accidentally? And how is that then going to affect your relationship with that person? That's the same whether you are 
emotionally driven to lash out and some people are some people are emotionally driven to lash out and fight and that's how they get themselves into trouble because of that emotional brain kicking in so once you come to recognize that actually how am i coming from this conversation and is this about me and a good example of this so let me explain this a little bit more because when this was first pointed out to me i would say that's just not right this isn't all about me i don't come at life from everything is about my perspective and all about me and my mentor said to me, look, Nick, why, why are you a negotiator? Why are you a police officer? And I said, because I want to help people and I want to make a difference. And he said, yeah, that's great. And I said, well, how is that selfish and how is that about me? And he said, well, listen to the words you just used. And I said, well, I don't understand. He said, listen to what you just said. And I, he, he said, repeat the sentence back. And I said, I, I want to help people and I want to make a difference. And he said, there you go. That is all about you. And when I reflected on that, actually, using the words I want, and there's nothing wrong with this, by the way, that is about me because that's what drives me. That's what motivates me. That's what gets me out of bed at three o'clock in the morning and go and talk to somebody on a roof who I've never met before for 14 hours. And that's what drives me now in my motivator of, of building this community down at the garage. So when we can understand that and how we're coming at the conversation, then, then we get it. So... A classic example I always found, one of my first negotiations, I always remember talking to somebody on the edge of a building who, sa who said, you know, um, Nick, it's, gr it's good that you're here, that this is nothing against you, but nobody cares about me. There's nobody in my life that I have. I don't have anybody that cares about me. So my immediate reaction, and I know it's not just my immediate reaction because I've now taught this to so many people and I get the same reaction it's a and when I was giving the talk on, on Tuesday I got the same reaction from the audience about what do you say next and a most of us will say well I care about you or we care about you because we want to reassure that person that there is somebody in the world that cares about us and I can pretty much tell you now the reaction that you are going to get is you don't even know me why would you care about me you don't even know me so how on earth can you say that you care about me that's just rubbish and to be fair, it's an automatic response without any thought given to it. But, because we come up with a position of reassurance, and again, there's nothing wrong with this. I'm just stating that there might be another way of doing it. Whereas if I said that that person in that moment is telling me something, so if I listen really carefully to the words that they're saying to me, when they say, I don't have anybody in my life, they're telling me that they're lonely, that they're isolated, that they're doing this on their own, that perhaps they need support around something. So rather than giving back my opinion or telling them what I feel, which is I care about you, I would reflect back that emotion, which is a lot more powerful and builds a relationship a lot quicker. And so I would say something along the lines of, you sound really alone or you sound isolated. Now, if I now look at uh, having an 11-year-old in my life or having a child in your life and they come to you and they say, hey... Um, you can see they're upset. And you, hey, what's up? What's happened? They say, well, Sarah called me ugly today. Now, the immediate reaction as a, a parent is to wrap them up and go, oh, God, don't, just ignore Sarah. She, you're beautiful. Don't worry about that. You know, look at you. You're, you're stunning. You're lovely. You're amazing. Now, what, again, that I've done there is to reassure the person without addressing how they might feel. So rather than giving my opinion and reassurance, which is not going to probably make a jot of difference because I'm not recognising what they're saying, Perhaps an alternative to that, I'm going to suggest, is you, again, look at the emotion they're displaying and just say something simple along the lines, if I can see that's really, really got to you, that that's made you sad or, or that you believe that. And then you're showing that you're listening to that person. You're making no judgment. 
you're not offering any advice you're just in that moment with the person and and they're like well yeah yeah that it, or or no because if it's no they'll just tell you and i'll say no that's not that's not how i feel this is how i feel and this works in all of my coaching i use this a lot in my coaching practice i use this a lot in just talking to people in day-to-day terms where i don't put my opinion on it but it's about being self-aware so it's about having that self-awareness of actually this is what i do this is what I do. And why am I doing it? I, because because this is about me and because I want to give my value and my belief. And I also want to protect people and wrap them up and help them. So there's nothing wrong with the way you approach things, but there is a different way of doing it, which is more impactive and, and, and has better results and shows that you are really being in the moment with somebody by understanding that emotion. The second biggest important life lesson I've learned is listening is such an important factor and most of the time we don't listen because listening is a skill it is an art it takes time it takes concentration and most of the time we are running from one thing to another and we don't have the time although we do but we don't take the time to be in the moment to listen really well to somebody so a lot of the time we are passively listening so you can look at lots of statistics online which will show you how we listen some people say we actually only hear about 35 percent and take 35 percent of the conversation in so if we're doing something else then that's going to be even less probably knock it down to between about seven and fifteen percent which when you think about that and how important conversations and communication is in our lives that's a tiny percent of actually listening And when I talk about passive listening, what I mean is by you're generally doing something else and perhaps you can relate to this. But often I would find myself when somebody came into the office to talk to me and I was in the middle of typing something, I would say, go ahead, I'm listening. Now, I wasn't listening. I was typing. I was typing an email. So most of my concentration is typing on the email and none of my concentration is on the other person. Or if you're watching a film or reading a book and somebody comes to talk to you or if you're talking to somebody And you get that vibration from your phone, which, by the way, is a habit trigger. So we're so now used to social media and being driven by our phones. If it's in our pocket and it vibrates, our immediate reaction to that habit, because the vibration is a trigger, is to take the phone out of our pocket, look at it. Or even worse, if it's ringing, what we'll do is we'll look at it and we go, "Uh, I've got to get this. This is really important. And you break away from a conversation. And because you've used those words, I really have to get this. It's important. It can leave the other person thinking, well, hang on a sec, am I not important in the conversation? Now, hands up, I have done this and I have had this done to me. So I I know what it feels like to be the recipient and also I have been not in the moment whereby I have done this to somebody else. So think about, do you do that to other people, honestly? And how often do you actually really listen? And how often are you in the moment and thinking about, being in the moment with somebody or is your brain somewhere else and you're not really listening you're just pretending to so you nod in the appropriate places smile when you think you should smile and uh, give a little "Mm -hmm, oh yeah okay right whereas your brain is actually miles away and we all do it if you're honest you know you do it because we probably do it the majority of the time rather than the minority of the time so that's point number two is really listen Really listen and be in the moment with somebody. Give them your time uh, because what you reap from that is amazing. And I, I've spoken about this before about being in the moment with people, but I cannot overstress that. That I would say the majority of negotiations are successful because we give people time, we don't judge, and we listen. 
And you think about those conversations with your friends and your family and your kids. In fact, anybody you have any interaction with whereby you really spend some good quality time in the moment and it does make a big difference. And then thirdly, little words, big difference. And there's two little words that you can change around that will make a big difference into a sentence and a conversation. And they are but and and. So here's the first conversation. So I really like the way you did that work, but. Now what happens is, and I'm sure many of you have been uh, on the end of a conversation like this, is you switch off because you don't hear what they've just said about the praise of the work. All you hear next is the but. Okay, here we go, but. And it's like uh, if you say to your teenage kid, yeah, thanks for tidying your room, but. Could you do this better in the future? So they don't hear the thanks for tidying a room. They just hear what's after the but. If you change that to and, what tends to happen is that we hear both sides of the sentence. So we will hear the before and the and. So I really like the way you did that project. And in the future, I think perhaps we could do this to make it better. Or I really like the way that you... Thanks for tidying your, your, your room. I really appreciate it. And... Could you just bring some cups down so they don't fester in your room in the future? So just by changing that, just try that in a conversation, changing the word from but to and, because that will make a big difference. And then finally, I'm going to wrap up with two words I can guarantee, or two sentences I can guarantee will break any rapport that you ever have with anybody, whether that is your child, uh, if you're a leader, if you're a teacher, <laughs> in any profession you do is that the two sentences, I understand and calm down. One, you don't ever really understand. Yes, you can appreciate where somebody is coming from and be respectful of how they might be feeling, but we don't live in the same moment as everybody else. So your experience will probably be different. So when you say, I understand, you will probably get back, especially if somebody is in a moment of crisis and in an emotional brain, no, you don't. And the other one is calm down and just think how you have ever reacted to somebody saying calm down. Because if you're anything like me, you're likely to shout at them and go, I am calm. So they are the two sentences. So three most important life lessons are that we, a little words, big difference, and and but. Be in the moment, really listen actively rather than passively. And the last one is remember that most of your conversations and the way you come at anything is all about you and all about your values and beliefs. And once you can learn that and learn your self-awareness, the conversations will improve. And remember about the emotion rather than giving your opinion on something. And we discussed there about people um, saying things like, uh, nobody is in my life, nobody likes me, I don't have anybody, nobody cares about me to you automatically is saying I care about you because you think it will make a difference and that if somebody is upset or troubled by something that somebody else has said, giving your opinion about it or telling them that they're beautiful, not ugly, which is an immediate reaction because, of course, we want to do it right rather than... And then if you label the emotion and say, I can see that's really troubled you today, you'll get a better response. Okay, I hope that's helped. I hope you have a great week and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Hey everybody, Nikki again. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast and thank you for joining me. You can find me on social media at Nikki Comms Coach at Twitter and The Communication Coach on Facebook and thecommunicationcoach.co.uk. Please like, share and review and I look forward to speaking to you soon.